Well, our moms think we're funny. Recording. Hello, my podcast listeners. My name is Turk182, and I'm here as always with my man, Akomi. And we are here to bring you the gospel truth of our moms think that we're funny. Now I'm here to tell you about something, something that you may find funny or you may might find fun funny, but it is the truth. And I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you people one at a time or in a group or a hundred of you or, or maybe just two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine or ten of you. But what I'm going to give you is going to stick with you for the rest of your life. Now, I may not be able to listen to it with you because I'm the one recording it, but I will always be right there with you. Preach on. Amen, amen, amen. (laughs) (laughs) I love how taken back you were with that. That (laughs) You're just like, um, I have no idea why you're doing this, but okay. Yeah. That just summarizes the entire podcast. Pretty much. (laughs) So yes, I am Akomi. Welcome to another episode of Our Moms Think We're Funny. Um. So uh, yeah, and uh, as uh, as the 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 good Reverend Doctor um, Black Brown said, um, uh, my name is Turk One Eighty Two, and we're going to talk about something kind of special. Yeah? yeah, yeah, a little little unusual for us. Um, and it's something we I guess we kind of sort of dabbled in um not too terribly long ago uh i guess yeah right with the the shrek uh, oh podcast. yeah yeah we did talk about that during shrek yeah uh, and not not directly in our shrek podcast but we did kind of uh kind of like i said kind of stick our toe in the water uh of sorts for this particular subject yeah. um and uh you want want me to Go ahead and toss it out there. I always want to. I mean, either way, I mean, I guess you could say we're just talking about D's nuts, right? That's right. Yeah, hell yeah. D's nuts. Trip, trip, trippity, those old tripping balls. So, <laughs> what we are talking about today, people, is Disney. Oh, Disney. Yeah. Yeah, di- yeah Disney's Disney. Uh, yeah. I, I got it a little bit backwards, but okay. <laughs> Why don't you suck on Disney's? <laughs> Doctor, doctor, I got a Disney's. <laughs> uh, I wonder if, if they sell that at Disney World. If they have like, um, like D's, like Disney and D's, and then and then like a bag of nuts, like D's nuts. That I, I, I doubt it. I doubt it too. Disney's boring as fuck anymore. That's what I want to talk about. <laughs> I was gonna say that that really is like right there. What we're gonna talk about is like <laughs> Disney is boring as fuck now. Um, but uh, it, but kind of in a sense it is. So, Uh, we're such big fans but I can't even think of what it is uh, Lilo and Stitch well I was actually going to go with The Emperor's New Groove oh well, yeah Emperor's yeah, New Groove yeah. Emperor's New Groove um, and Lilo and Stitch you know but yeah big fans of Emperor's New Groove and Lilo and Stitch and um, and we're and, like and a few others I mean I'm, I'm a big I'm a big Disney guy as far as like the Disney Renaissance era mm-hmm. uh, yeah I would agree with that yeah the um, you know and and I'm not a Disney historian so um 
I can't I can't say too much about like Disney, but I'm just gonna kind of talk a little bit about what I what I've heard or what I've read. But you know, I may not know Disney, but I know what I like, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't like this. No. Um, but uh, but what I was actually gonna say is um, the um, there was a time where Disney was not making animated films. Yeah, yeah. They they stopped making animated films, and they were well, see, theatrical animated films. They were mm-hmm. doing some kind of straight to to video stuff, but mm-hmm. it was what right around the end of the sixties or um, mid seventies. I, I want to say seventies. Yeah. yeah. Um, was it was the Aristocrats the last one they did? I think so. That sounds like that was the very last one of the Silver Age, and like then. It was around the 90s that they did the Renaissance, and that's when you started getting just absolutely amazing films like Aladdin, uh, The Lion King. Um, I think what kicked off the Renaissance was Oliver and Company, wasn't it? Uh, I thought that was a straight-to-DVD. I don't remember. Because I thought it was was, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Beauty and the Beast was the first kickoff of the Renaissance. I, all I really remember about Oliver and Company is that it had Billy Joel for the soundtrack. Oh, okay. So um, it's got Street Savoir Fair, which is a fantastic track. See, I'm not familiar with it. I don't think I've ever seen Oliver and Company. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a cute one. I'll say that. It, it was back when they were still doing like the really scratchy lines, okay. which Walt hated, by the way. Really? <laughs> yeah, because they started doing that with uh, 100... Proper, like a lot of the smooth line stuff that you see, it was all just like scratchy pin lines and like dark pencil lines. And he was just like, What is this shit? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's it's good animation, it's like milk call animation, but he just did not like it. I can only imagine him because you know, he was a tall, kind of lanky guy, him running around looking at animation cells, going, What's this? What's this? There's scratches everywhere. What's this? What's this? (laughs) A brush with no more hair. What's this? You know. <laughs> and heart, my inside my heart is screaming. What is this? <laughs> oh, Jew! <laughs> Get him, lads! <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, yeah, there was that period of time when Disney was not doing uh, animated features. But you still had good movies that came out during that time. So you had uh, the Great Mouse Detective, yep, straight yep. to DVD. Um, you had, um, uh, oh crap, I was, I, that was another one that was in my head too. Uh, uh, Iron, not Iron Giant. Um, uh, Brave Little Toaster. Oh, Brave Little Toaster was great. Brave Little Toaster is, is really good. Um, and of course, I, that was, uh, I think, Brad Bird and John Lasseter, I think, was some of their early Disney stuff was that. That sounds right, yeah. Um, and, but I mean, they were doing stuff, but they weren't putting themselves out there as like, we are the, uh, you know, the, the animation kings. But there yeah. really weren't any strong animation kings at that time. You know, you had, yeah. uh, you had like things like uh, uh, Land Before Time. Mm-hmm. And you had uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yep, yep. That and was that was all the uh, Preston Blair stuff. Or Don Bluth? Don, uh, Don, Don Bluth. Don, yeah. Don Bluth, yeah. Preston yeah. Blair did some... I, I think Preston Blair worked for Don Bluth. Um, and then, um, you Alto, know... Well, that was, that was more uh, Renaissance era. Yeah. And I'm trying to think. I think uh, uh, American Tale, that was pre-Renaissance. Um, yeah, yeah, that was Don Bluth, too. And so, and that was, I guess that was, that was kind of Spielberg in a sense, kind of sticking his toe into the animation water before um, DreamWorks. Uh, well, at the time it was DreamWorks SKG, which was uh, Spielberg, Katzenberg, and Geffen. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now it's just DreamWorks. What's interesting about um, 
Disney stopping the stuff, and, like, it was just kind of like a quell point for animation, that was kind of when Bakshi really started, like, putting his stuff out there, and he was really pushing the envelope with a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, he was, I mean... Because, like, the 70s was around when Fritz the Cat dropped, and so, like, not only was that, like, kind of a revival for adult animation... Because when Disney got started, they didn't market their cartoons as as children's films. Right. That was stuff for adults. They intended, like, Snow White and Pinocchio and all that stuff to be viewed and enjoyed by adults. Now, to, to be fair, though, at that time, they didn't have a ratings class, uh, classification mm-hmm. either. So everything was G. You know, yeah, it was, it yeah. was all heavily regulated. So they didn't they didn't have, like, you know, G, PG, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. so movies were just movies. They were, you know, we wouldn't expect kids to go see, like, some of the some of the the more adult films because they would be bored by it, but right, right. they were films that anybody could see. Right, yeah. It was still like it was it was all ages just by virtue of how how heavily regulated it was. Yeah. But yeah, like it, it is interesting that like some of the people who stepped in to fill that void were guys like Bakshi and just like, wow, okay. <laughs> this this is an entirely different beast. And uh, yeah, because he came in, you know, he started like you said, um, Frist the Cat. Mm-hmm. Then you had um, uh, the Lord of the Rings movie. Yep. Um, yep. Later on, you had Heavy Metal. But then you had movies like which we. Oh, was that was that later? Yeah, that was because uh, there were Brad Pitt's in that. Brad Pitt, Kim Basinger, oh, and uh, wow, uh, is it Gabriel Byrne? Um, huh. um, yeah, I, Peter I, I don't know my Bakshi timeline super well. Um, uh, but um, I know Wizards was in the seventies. Yeah, Wizards. Wizards is a brilliant, brilliant movie. So you had uh, you had those movies that were. I mean, it was like Disney wasn't there anymore, and these people stepped in and are like, "Hey, let's make some of these." Uh, some of these are some cartoons for adults. Now, granted, we're talking about the '70s here, so we're coming off of the the heyday of the '60s mm-hmm. um, with with kind of the I don't want to call it the free love movement, but it was, I would say the the, the free thought, open mind yeah, movement, yeah. right? Uh, which was you know in a sense we can do that with drugs, so you know Timothy Leary and all that kind of stuff. But that, uh, it was the uh, first tune in, drop out, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was the first real time that we'd had like a kind of a counterculture movement in America. Right. And so in the seventies, you know, plus you got cocaine, you got, and, and it was a time period where, as much as I hate the seventies, um, because of the whole disco and all that stuff, there was during that time period in the seventies, there was this, this sense of acceptance of everybody yeah, that yeah. we lost when we went to the eighties. Yeah. Um, and then it got it turned back into the, uh, you know, with the, you know, Reaganomics and the, uh, <laughs> and the, the whole eighties movement and the Wall Street and all that kind of stuff is like it. Then it just kind of like. Not then that we had like a big like uh like we tore down the walls of classes or but you know, it was like it was it was a where before we could we could mingle and now it's like nope you know you stay in your place and because you know I'm and so I, I kind of missed that but I think that's also what allowed some of these movies like that to come to come out yeah yeah and then you and you know, going along with that as we talked about once before you had the up and coming avant garde film directors like uh, like Spielberg mm-hmm. and Coppola and uh, De Palma. Uh, Scorsese Kubrick was, Kubrick was getting a start yeah. there um, so you had those guys there that were bringing movies to a, like a whole different direction and then you also had other people there the, the midnight movies so you had like the Night Living Dead mm-hmm. you had El Topo you had Pink Flamingos um, see I, I don't think Eraser hadn't, hadn't come yet I don't think um, this Eraser had, was pretty old I'm trying there, there were the ones that Eraser might have been one because um, uh, was that David Lynch uh, I want to say yes so yeah so 
Um, uh, let's see, Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Night Living Dead, El Topo, Pink Flamingo, and I think Eraser, Eraserhead. Um, and uh, Cannibal Holocaust. Right. Yeah, well, that was late later. Was yeah, that later. Okay. Yeah. That was that was when the, that was actually that was like so the late seventies, early eighties, back when the, the cannibal uh, movement started happening yeah, in the uh, yeah. the Italian exploitation films. Yeah. So you you know your film history way better than I do. I, I know some animation history, but it's selective. But it, but it was at that time where you know adults were more open minded and were mm-hmm. seeking new new experiences to expand their you know their. Their scope of the world, yeah, yeah, and so you could market the, these kind of uh, these uh, animated films, and you didn't have any other real animated films, like the kids' animated films, to compete with it. So there was mm-hmm. no, there was like you know, uh, no misunderstanding of like, like oh, you know, Fritz the Cat, this is not for kids because there was no, there wasn't like a Heathcliff the movie or anything like right, that, you know, right. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, uh, what's the guy, um, the one that Tom McFarlane loves, um, um, you know, that pointy eared guy. Guy. The little pointy-eared cat guy with the uh, with the big grin. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of his name because Mark Farley used to draw him in the Spider-Mans all the time. Um, are you thinking of the guys from Bloom County? No, 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 no. Oh, shit. What the hell is his name? Um, Who's his name in pointy ears? Yeah. If you're talking about Garfield, I'm going to drop no, kick no. you. <laughs> I think it was, maybe it's... I'm thinking... I say pointy ears, but now I'm thinking... Like, maybe was it pointy ears? Um, Crippity crap, crap, crap. Um... So I'm actually gonna just Google real quick here. Black animated cat. Oh, Felix the cat. There we go. Yeah, if you'd have told me he was black, I could have helped you. Racist. <laughs> <laughs> black animated cat. It, the first thing I brought up was Shaft, and I was like, "Well, yeah, you, you're damn right." <laughs> so, I mean, he's the cat that won't cop out when there's danger all about. So, I mean, he is black. So, yeah, I should uh, should be more specific. Um, Felix, yeah, Felix was interesting. So, but but so. You know, you didn't have Disney during that time. They were doing the the Wild World, the Disney like uh, TV mm-hmm. show, mm-hmm. and of course, you had your your Kurt Russell and Jodie Foster movies during yep. that time too. Yep. Yeah, the, let's not forget people that Kurt Russell and Jodie Foster were some of the original Disney kids. Yeah, <laughs> and guess what? They grew up and they were fucked up. <laughs> That's amazing. Well. I, I, I mean, I don't I don't know what Disney did. What they they changed the water in the cooler? I, I don't know, but. <laughs> It's like, at least they, they showed that it can be done. Uh, uh, to, to be fair, has anybody asked Kurt Russell or Jodie Foster how they feel about Jewish people? Because um, they, they, they were a lot closer to ground zero on that shit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sir, Kurt Russell, how do you feel uh, about Jewish people? I'll answer this one, mate. Mel Gibson. And so... <laughs> Hold up there, sugar tits. <laughs> Let me take the reins on this one. Back off the cut. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, like there, there was just something and like, and I'm, I'll admit, you know, I'm looking through this through a little bit more nostalgia goggles than you because this, this, you know, the, the Disney Renaissance was my childhood. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was, I was a wee baby boy when Lion King and Aladdin came out and those, those shaped my childhood. And I think I was just like a couple months older than you at that time. <laughs> so. so let me ask you, uh, Fox and the Hound, that was a theatrical release, wasn't it? I believe so, yes. And um, that was also Grandpa Joe being a piece of shit. Is he the guy that left the, left the hound out in the woods? He was the voice of the hunter, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, Fucking okay. Grandpa Joe, man. Grandpa he Joe. ruins everything he's in. He sunk the Poseidon. <laughs> he, he shattered Charlie's hopes and dreams, and he tried to shoot Todd. No, no. okay. So, to be fair, Leslie Nielsen sunk the Poseidon. <laughs> 
Because he turned the boat sideways. He, he did, but it was because he was distracted by Grandpa Joe. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's the deleted scene <laughs> that they don't show you where he's like, Oh, let me help you with that! <laughs> And then he gets up on the on the steering wheel of the boat and starts tap dancing. He's like, you're supposed to be bedridden, you old fuck. And then the boat tips over. You know, for the rest of his life, he could just get away from farting in public. He'd be walking around. He's like, oh my god, it's coming out. Oh, it's a fizzy lifting drink. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to make sure I don't float away. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, and then Disney kind of fell at, into that trap, I think. When and this kind of went into the Renaissance as well, where mm-hmm. when they would do a movie, they would almost immediately follow it up with a direct-to-video sequel. Yeah, you know? yeah. Oh man, it was it was a bad time. And, and I hate that. It's like, why are you going to waste your time with something? And I'm going to call it a waste of time with something that you don't think is strong enough to put in theaters. If you don't yeah, think it's strong yeah. enough to put in theaters, then don't make it. Yeah. You know. Um, but you know, but you know, and then Disney. I guess see, that was like at the tail end of the Renaissance that like they were just kind of riding in on their own coattails, or I, I guess more appropriately, they were cannibalizing themselves. Well, they did it with Beauty and the Beast. It wasn't right away though. Mm-hmm. They did it with Little Mermaid. Yeah. They did it with uh, with Aladdin. They did it with um, Lion King. They did it with the Lion King. I mean, they, they it, did it with Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. Um, see, Emperor's New Groove, I'd say, is like the tail end of the Renaissance, and that's more like the experimental period. That was when they were really pushing the envelope with new stuff, because that's a totally different animation style than what you're used to. But they also did with Lilo and Stitch. They did. Yeah. I would consider Lilo and Stitch a Stitch experimental period, too, but yeah. they The travesty of Lilo and Stitch is that they not only did that sequel, but they did the spinoff show, and it was basically just a Pokemon ripoff. But I, I will say, I watched the hell out of some Lilo and Stitch. I did, too. Yeah. Because, and that's because I grew up with Pokemon. So when I see something like that, anytime I see something that's a ripoff of Pokemon... My little child ape brain was like, I have to know what all 625 other experiments are. I can't rest until I do. And so, like, they, they knew what worked for for dumb millennial children. They really did. And I would say that, that Lilo and Stitch is probably the worst. And 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 I, I actually want to kind of put a pin in this, too, because mm-hmm. I want to come back to this. Uh, but I would say that it's the worst cannibalization because they made Lilo and Stitch. Then mm-hmm. they followed up with... Uh, but uh, Stitch has a glitch. Uh, I think Stitch the movie. Stitch the movie. Okay. Then yeah. Stitch has a glitch. Then Leroy and Stitch. Yep. Right. Yep. And then they had the Lilo and Stitch cartoon, mm-hmm. um, which which I think came came uh, after after Stitch the movie. Yeah. That that immediately spun off from Stitch the movie because um, all the mm-hmm. experiment water capsules like fell into the water supply of Hawaii mm-hmm. at the end of Stitch the movie. So. And it was like, but but the thing is, they just they would not leave it alone. What was the last one that they did with the female Stitch? Um, uh, I don't even remember that because I um, I never saw I, I Leroy think, and I never saw that one either. I, I think that one was like Lulu and Stitch or something like that. It sounds that sounds something like that. It, it was something really stupid. It was just like, oh great, now it's just like female Stitch. Yeah, they they really cannibalized that, and I get it. It's like, oh, you know, you've established there's 626 of these little critters. And everyone knows the little collectible critters. That's that's a great way to to market product, you know. Like it, so, suddenly, I have six hundred and twenty five things I can put on a t shirt or I can sell as a doll. That's good money. Yeah, I I get that. I understand that mindset. But if you're gonna do it at the sacrifice of cheapening and bastardizing something that was really good, then I, you know you you might as well just take one for the team and not try to sell that for money. Yeah, I would agree. And the thing is, you know, they had uh, um, they had taken the um, 
they had, they were had a, a nice little formula where they were doing the um you had Aladdin and then you had the Aladdin um TV series, which was really good. That you was did, really good. You did follow it up some Aladdin straight to video movies, but uh, Return of Jafar sucked. <laughs> but uh, Prince of Thieves, uh, King of Thieves, King of Thieves yeah. with his father, that was really good, actually. I, I, I mean, it was okay. I'll say that it was okay. <laughs> but you know, Return of Jafar, that's where Dan Castellaneta did the voice of the genie, mm-hmm. and then um, King of Thieves is where Robin Williams came back to yep, do the voice yep. of the genie. Oh, I thought um, the Earth wasn't supposed to move to the honeymoon. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but but the the. Uh, Aladdin TV series uh, was was, was really good. That was good, and, and, and it's like you said, Lilo and Stitch one was good. It wasn't great. I don't think it could compare to the um, to the Aladdin one. Yeah, no, no. You had the Little Mermaid TV series as well. That was pretty decent. Uh, I I can't really say I watched that one, but because um, it was Little Mermaid, I never um, watched the Little Mermaid movie. There was so. Timon and Pumbaa. <sighs> I never could get into Timon and Pumbaa, but I that's another want... that's another cannibalization where they came where they did the Timon and Pumbaa straight. Well, they did yeah. the Lion King two. Was yep. it Simba's Pride? Simba's then, Pride. Then they did the, the um, Timon and Pumbaa that movie. Was, yeah, that was Lion King one and a half. Oh, yeah, there but, we go. But yeah, because they told the story, their story before yeah, from, like, from their perspective. Yeah. Um. So, but yeah, during the nineties, they had the Timon and Pumbaa show, which was okay. Timon and Pumbaa. They also had like oh, I can't even remember what it was called, but there was an animated series for the Jungle Book, and that was when uh, they were all kids. There was like a baby version of King Louie and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and and um, uh, you uh, we already mentioned uh, um, no, maybe didn't uh, Emperor's New Groove also had an animated series. Yep, yeah, which was not bad except for the Emperor's New School. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, Cusco's voice not being David Spade really hurt. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I can understand him trying not trying to get a David Spade sound alike because I don't think I've ever heard anyone do a David Spade impression. No, so <laughs> he's got a very distinctive voice. So going in a kind of different, just like just putting it out there. But um, I think it actually works about wars too. Um, Emperor's New School, like some animation like wars, like uh, like daytime Emmy or something like that. But <laughs> anyway, uh, but yeah, they, they they were they were just there's like we we made something that did really well. So now we're just gonna just we're 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 gonna um. Uh, have a cigar at you know yeah, yeah. that's what they did they just, they just have a cigar at it the whole time we're just gonna beat this horse until we're positive it's dead and then we're gonna beat it a little bit more because hey it's money <laughs> there's glue in this <laughs> yeah. um but so but kind of like that's that's like Disney went through this one period and there was nothing and then as soon as they like put themselves back out they're like we you know like hey we're good again uh, or like yeah. we're doing this again it's like and now just let's just capitalize the hell out of it yeah um yeah. It, it is just self cannibalization, and like I mean, during during like the uh, what I guess like the Silver Age and the Bronze Age, Disney had some amazing, amazing animators. They had Milt Call, they had Glenn Keane, they had these guys who could just really bring their art to life, and it was gorgeous stuff. But I mean, when they when they hit the Renaissance and they really started pushing the envelope with like modern stuff. And I, I would consider, I mean, even though, I mean, we're talking like 30 years ago, I would consider the renaissance of Disney to really be like the beginning of the modern era for Disney. Okay. Um, which, I mean, to and that's probably not totally accurate because now they've hit that point where they're no longer doing 2D films. I guess that's like the really the beginning of the modern era now. Yeah. I but I don't like to accept that because <laughs> I don't consider that to be like legitimate film. It's, so. it's, it's kind of unnecessary too. Right? It's, it's I mean, just like, shitty. To, to, just, to just completely move away from... from 
from that that particular art style, uh, yeah, animation style, like that's not necessary. You can still do both. It's okay. It's okay. We'll still love you. Well, like I mean, the last thing they did in two D was Princess and the Frog, and then like when that didn't do as well as they wanted, they were just like, oh, we're never doing two D anymore. It's it's all gonna be CG because two D is dead. And it's like two D is dead because you killed it, you sick bastards. Yeah, and <laughs> just because this movie didn't do very well, um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's it's all bad, but. In Prince and the Frog, I've seen it's not it's not a bad movie. I liked it. I liked it. I, I thought it was very well animated. I, 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 I just I don't get why it didn't do well. But like, there's other reasons than it being 2D. I I've never heard of a kid going, I don't want to watch this because it's it's not CG. Yeah, me neither. And the thing is, if it wasn't for um, Prince and the Frog, I don't believe that we would that Disney would have ever embraced the uh, the. Wonderfulness is that is that is that a good word? I to think use? so. Wonderfulness, yeah. Um, of Alan Tudyk, yeah. Because I believe didn't he do the voice of was it the was it the Firefly or the Gator? I think it's one uh, of them. It's been way too long since I've seen it. Oh uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm on the internet right now. So it was Princess and the Frog. Yeah. Uh, so you mean but, eventually I got so burned out on Disney that I just started watching like all the non-Disney stuff which I mean you know I've, I've always got my list of like amazing films from the early 2000s that are just like to me the pinnacle of animation such as Iron Giant and Road del Dorado and stuff like yeah. that and of course Prince of Egypt but... oh, I love Prince of Egypt I do love Prince of Egypt it's, it's a beautiful beautiful movie um Maybe I'm wrong. I thought that uh, I might be wrong. I, I thought that Alan Tudyk did a voice in that one, but maybe he came later on. Maybe um, so. But I, because when I saw him doing a voice in something, but shit, it's Tar- it's uh, not Tar- it's uh, yeah. Alan Tudyk. So I mean, I mean, shit, he could do a voice in something you'd never even know it was him. Yeah. I mean, I mean, for for the longest time, I thought that in Moana they actually just kept squeezing a chicken to make that noise. No, nope, <laughs> it was Alan Tudyk. So, uh, so now apparently from from what I'm saying here, I don't see him as being in it. Um, so, my mistake, but... And to be fair, I will say, you know, there are some CG Disney films that aren't awful. I liked the first Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. I don't think it was perfect. I don't think it was a perfect film, but it was an enjoyable film, and I I thought that the video game references were handled comparatively well for what I was expecting, because I was expecting a total fucking train wreck. Uh, J.O. hates the sequel. He I still haven't it. seen the sequel. Uh, like I didn't really feel like I was missing out on too much to to not do it. <laughs> it was okay, it, but it didn't really move me. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't feel like it had the same heart that the first one had. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the first one does have a lot of heart. But I, I can understand that that the because of the way the, that the the movie is set up that for the sequel you would have to go and explore the internet. Like, yeah, you yeah. don't have a choice if you're gonna if you're gonna continue to tell this story here. You have to. You have to explore the internet. Um, yeah, they just keep writing themselves into corners. But, um, I mean, what what I'll say with my experience with Wreck-It Ralph was, was that I saw it and I was like, okay, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I quite liked it. And then online I saw somebody post a 2D animatic pencil test of a scene with the Candy King. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't an animator I was familiar with. That's how intuitive. His animation style... Um, reminded me a lot of the Bancroft brothers, but it was not one of the Bancroft brothers. He was he was a fairly fresh face at Disney. I'm sorry. I think it's just so funny that um, you're like, yeah, you yeah, I don't I don't I don't know my my uh, movie history as well as you do. And you're naming off all these animators like I don't know any of these damn people. I couldn't tell you nothing that they've done. 
I got to meet Tom Bancroft at Heroes Con once. Really? Nice dude. Cool. And of course I was, you know, it, I, was, I was doing the same geek out shit that I did with Stan Sakai. I was like, you're my entire childhood, man. I love you. I love you, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, but like, seeing that scene redone in 2D just soured the entire rest of the movie for me. Because it was like, well, now I see what it could have looked like. And right. I would have liked it so much better in 2D. <laughs> And I get, I get why they did it in CG, I understand, and, like, it's video games, so okay, I'm not gonna piss and moan too much, Right. but it just would've looked so much better to me. <laughs> it's, uh, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna make this reference just, um, um, just as a side note, it's, uh, kind of like the, the, uh, the, the Lego movie, mm-hmm. where it's all CG, but they went through great pains to make it look like stop motion. Yeah. Including yeah. adding, like, fingerprints yes. onto the characters. So. Yeah, like, and so, and so that, that's, that is a film that I completely understand being CG. I get that. And, like, I'll back it up. But just, like, seeing, seeing the way the Candy King is designed, that's a character that begs to be animated in 2D. Like, you, you can tell that it's it's not like somebody cracked open Blender and designed the character in Blender. It's like they obviously designed him on paper first and then had to figure out how to make him work in 3D. And it's just, it, it, I, I, I think at least certain scenes in Wreck-It Ralph would have strongly benefited from being in 2D. So, let me ask you a question just because you mentioned that, right? Is, if you're doing, even if you're doing 2D... Is there ever a moment where you where you wouldn't um, where you wouldn't design the character um, if you're doing 3D or render it you not that you wouldn't design it first in 2D? Uh, it depends. I mean, I've seen people design characters in Blender, but it's not super common. Um, I think I, it's I think it's very common practice for Disney to do all of their stuff on paper first because even like Tangled. Which was all CG, like, that That still had Glenn Keane as a character designer. He still, like, designed the characters to look good on paper and look good in 2D first. Okay. And I think, I think that's one reason why Rapunzel is still, like, super appealing as a character design. Uh, uh the Tangled Rapunzel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually a pretty good movie. I liked it. I liked yeah. it. Yeah, to to this and I would say that this is the I I guess in my mind a a uh, a mark that it's a good movie is that you know I can't look at a at a frying pan or a skillet without thinking that <laughs> oh that that would make a pretty good weapon. This <laughs> is the weirdest thing I've ever done. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, but kind of getting to like the whole point of this, but I think it was necessary to kind of I feel it was necessary to to kind of do the whole kind of background of where of where all this stuff came about mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. you know Disney went from a through a, like an animation a theatrical animation dry spell um, yep, to yep. to you know putting it out there and then you know then like you know, pop will eat itself and then and you you had these movies you had like uh you had the uh, Beauty and the Beast and you had uh the uh, Sure, we were just talking about it. Hold on, uh, uh, Little Mermaid. Yep, yep. And then the Lion King, and you had these things, and and but they were they were the the Disney formula. Yeah, it was yeah. the fairy tale story 
and and it was a a musical mm-hmm. and you know all that stuff and, and when we when we keep saying like you know the the rendering and all that kind of stuff we're talking about fully rendered stuff we know that little mermaid had some rendering in it mm-hmm. you know the 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 uh, ballroom dancing and beauty and the beast is yeah. you know with the exception i think them everything else is all like the three uh, is like all 3d yeah yeah that, that that was the first time that they really brought in computer animation and they were really proud of that. I mean, it's it's a beautiful. It looks really nice. Oh, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Mm. And I know there's a little bit of CG in Aladdin because of uh, when Jafar launches part of the palace. That that segment of the palace is animated in CG. And so was the uh, the the carpet chase. Um, and when they go into mm-hmm. the cave, yeah, and, yep. they, and all that stuff in the cave of wonders. So, and, and those movies are great, and I mean, they appealed to, to everybody, and the, the box office clearly shows it, mm-hmm. but they were the Disney formulaic kind of story, which is fine, but if if you're going to stick with that, that means that every Disney animated movie that comes out is going to be that, and maybe I don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. I don't want to see it, and the thing is, just because you you can do it, doesn't mean you can't do other stuff. Right, you know? right. And so as as an artist... And I think where the experimental age comes in is the resolution to that, because that's where you kick off with Emperor's New Groove, Treasure Planet, yep. uh, Atlantis. Atlantis is great. All of that breaks the Disney formula. It does. And it does it beautifully. I I, I think those are my, like, my favorite Disney films. And, uh, and I was going to say, as an artist, mm-hmm. you know, you have a particular art style. Yes. You practice other styles. Mm-hmm. Some that you aren't maybe as proficient at, and maybe some that you aren't as comfortable with, mm-hmm. but you do practice them because you know that if there's a particular story you want to tell, you can't always tell it in that style. Right, right. And and I think that either it took Disney a long, it took him a long time to either acknowledge that, mm-hmm. recognize it, or to decide to to go with it. But yeah, you're, but to, you're right. You to had, just get comfortable with it. Right. And so then you had movies like Atlantis and Treasure Planet and all those. And then some of those didn't do as well as the others. They weren't yeah, the bigger yeah. hits. They, they weren't, yeah. But it's also because, you know, when you're saying something like Beauty and the Beast, you are targeting not just your 8 to like 14-year-olds, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're also targeting like the younger kids who don't really know anything about it. But it's it's a cartoon. Mm-hmm. It looks cute. And it's got music that immediately like... <laughs> that grabs them and holds yeah, them, and yeah. of course you know, singing. They get to sing along like that. But when you're doing something like a Treasure Planet, you're you're kind of alienating those younger ones. Yeah. And even if they may want to see it, the parents may be like, "You, well, I'm not going to take it. You're not going to understand it. It's going to yeah. be a waste of my money." It's super niche. Something like Treasure Planet, and really to an extent Atlantis. Yeah. It's super niche to where it's like we're pulling from classic literature here, but we're going to put a sci-fi spin on it. Right. And so, like, yeah, to someone like me, that's that's perfect. That's perfectly appealing. You know, if, if you wanna if you wanna tell Robert Louis Stevenson in space, if you wanna tell Don Quixote in space, I'd be all over that shit. Oh man, you said mentioned Don Quixote in space, mm-hmm. and the, when you said Don Quixote, the first thing it made me think of was another animated movie, uh, not Disney, not Disney. Mm-hmm. Help me out here, Aztec. Oh, Road to El Dorado? Road to El Dorado. Yeah, that's a hell of a good movie. It is. And the thing is, so you had movies like that that were coming out. But again, when you talk about the Disney formula of fairy tale type story, mm-hmm, going to change mm-hmm. around some aspects of it, you know, might toss Hans Christian Andersen a bone, maybe yep, not, yep. you know. Um, and and it's, it's the same development of like character development, too. Right. The same type of character arc where it's like you're going to start at point A, you're going to 
like, encounter this resistance to learning your lesson, and by the final act, you've changed in certain ways. But but that is that's it. You go into you go in it, into it knowing that um, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like uh, what uh, Fat Matician was telling me about why he doesn't like a lot of superhero movies because the first one the superhero is always fighting a bad version of themselves. Yep, yep. you know. And we've talked about this. But it's, part of that is because I can't. I don't really have time in a movie, especially a first movie, to introduce this guy you don't know, yep. introduce his new ability, and introduce a villain. Who again you don't know, and who has a whole different ability. Yep. If yep. his ability is just a a corrupt version of the other guys, I know instantly all about him, and yep. I and I don't have to spend twenty minutes that I don't have for you know right, to do that. Right. But but the same thing is that you know you go into you know that you're going to be getting it's going to have like the the songs going to be played on the radio, and then the other songs in this. So, but no one touches Disney with that. No one mm-hmm. goes and tries to do that Disney formula. Yeah. Yeah. So what do they do? They they counter it with uh, Prince of Egypt, mm-hmm. with Road to El Dorado, with Titan A.E. Um, Sinbad. Uh, yeah, Sinbad. They they counter it with those. So then when Disney decides, decides Which is to change edgy things shit. up. That's all really edgy stuff. It is. Even even Prince of Egypt, I mean, like, first of all, it's it's a religious film, mm-hmm. which is like really shocking coming from DreamWorks. But second of all, it's dark. It is. It's it's a dark, dark movie. But it's beautiful. And I it, love is. It. Uh, it is. God, I, it's it's so and the the voice talent in that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, even for sorry, just small scenes like Jeff Goldblum has a small role. Sandra Bullock has a small role. Danny Glover's role is small. I mean, it, the Patrick Stewart's role is small. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like. And and and, I've, I've, and that's not even everybody, you know. I mean, you know, we have mentioned like uh, Val Kilmer, Ray Fiennes, um, uh, uh, Catwoman, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. And and then and then uh, Martin uh, Martin Short and uh, uh, Steve Martin. Yep. Steve Martin Short. You know. <laughs> uh, so in all of them, and uh, and Val Kilmer also did the voice of God too. Oh, nice. So. Because I, and I, I, I could see Val Kilmer as God, yes. <laughs> and I, if I remember correctly, the reason that he did the voice of God was because the voice that Moses hears, because he did he did Moses, the voice that Moses hears is 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 the I guess the God spoke to him in his own voice. So like <laughs> what he heard was his own voice because it's the voice of God. So yeah, yeah. He, so he does the voice, um, and something like that. Anyway, but yeah, that's that's really edgy, and they push. And I'll tell you one of my favorite scenes in that. Um, is uh, when they part the Red Sea and they're walking and you see the whales the swimming. Whale. In the- oh, that's oh, yeah. beautiful. What gets me with Prince of Egypt is that there's there's so many like little lines in the Bible that just, uh, I, I guess ostensibly they seem like they'd be throwaway things because as you're reading it, you kind of get into the flow and you, you're not going to pay attention to like one half of one verse. And so it's little things like, when God's speaking to him in the burning bush and he gets mad because Moses keeps making excuses and he mm-hmm. keeps saying, oh, you know, I can't do this. I'm not qualified. Bush burns brighter. <laughs> and just boom. And he says, I, I gave you the capability to speak. You're, you're speaking against me when you say that you're not qualified because I'm the one who made you qualified. And that, that's in the Bible. It says that, that God's anger was kindled against Moses because he kept making excuses for himself. Uh, during the final chase scene. <laughs> I'm sorry. All I think was like, go and talk to the people. He was, oh, please, God. It's like, <laughs> my cart mule broke down. I, I had people coming from Damascus. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. I swear to you. <laughs> I'd love to. 
I'd love to see the Blues Brothers as Moses. <laughs> On a mission from God. Uh, um, yeah, so, uh, like, I'm Pharaoh, and um, no, they're my people. <laughs> I gotta ask for my people back, <laughs> Elwood. I'm on a mission from God. Yeah, I'm God. <laughs> which, which I, I, I mean, it's Pharaoh is a is a complicated character. He is. I love he the is. fact that they made him a complicated character mm-hmm. too. He's not mm-hmm. just outright evil. He's a complicated. He's still a bad guy because he has multiple times where he can redeem himself mm-hmm. and he chooses not to. But I love when he when he, the only thing he can counter Moses with is like. Uh, I am the morning and the evening star. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah. what you can counter with. It was like, that's nothing. It's a title somebody gave you that means shit. <laughs> oh. Yep. But, but so, so getting back to, so you had, you had movies like that, mm-hmm. that were, they were saying for all of you that don't want to see the, the Disney formula, right? Yeah, you, yeah. You're, you're tired of that. Um, but you do like animation. It's like, here we go, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you know, and then when Disney decided to to branch out as well, be like, well, these movies are doing okay. Yeah. And of course, if if that if we if we Disney-fy our <laughs> Disney version of it, we can like do twice as well as they did. Which, in theory, you would look and be like, yeah, that makes sense, right? Because because mm-hmm. part of Disney is not the animated movies themselves; it's the name. Mm-hmm. Which is why, which you start off at the beginning is Disney's a brand now, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, to quote the American Gangster, it's like you know, Blue Magic. You know, it's you know, it's uh, it's, it's it's a brand name. It's like you know, like you know, Coke or Pepsi or whatever. It's like you know, I stand behind it. I guarantee it. Right, you know, right. and and you can trust that. You know, and the thing is, you people know. Um, just like he says, uh, he goes, I stand behind a guarantee. And people know that, you know, they, more they know that the chairman of General Mills, like right. you don't have to know who's in charge of Disney and people that are diehard Disney fans probably don't know who's in charge of Disney right now. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter. It's the brand. Yep. Yep. And that's where they get behind. So when Disney launches something, people don't even have to even know anything about it. Oh yeah. And it's brand. A prime example is, uh, like, um, Pixar, Luca. Mm-hmm. I don't know no. how well Luca is doing. It doesn't really look appealing to me, but Pixar has created such a name for himself that they didn't use a year or a year and a half of building this up. Mm-hmm. Like three months before it was supposed to come out, here's Luca. Yeah. And it didn't matter. People were going to like, oh. So pe- people will jump all over. To me, it looks really bad. I don't I don't see any appeal to Luca at all. Now, granted, I haven't seen a full trailer. I've just seen TV spots. Yeah. So a full trailer may change my mind. But right, Maybe. but the TV spots don't even I, make me want to see a full trailer. Yeah, I just, I don't like the character designs and I don't like the animation. Mm-hmm. Like, I... And again, you know, maybe I'm biased because it's CG, but I, I, I used to love Pixar movies, even though they were CG. I mean, like, Incredibles is still one of my all-time favorite films. Yeah, Incredibles is the best. And um, yeah, that, I mean, that it's Brad Bird, so of course. But And then when he came up with Incredibles 2, I was just like, God, it's just icing I, on my cake, baby. I still have to see Incredibles 2, but I hear it's really, really good. It is. But the thing is, I actually kind of fell out of, out of Pixar because Inside Out I did not like. Inside so that was pretty boring. Um, Good I, I, Dinosaur I, was pretty boring. Uh, yeah, I heard, I heard that one had all kinds of problems. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. I, um, I think the last movie I really enjoyed from them was Up. Soul was... Um, Soul hear, looks boring. It, I, I, it just looks boring. Yeah, yeah, I hear Soul was garbage. Um, 
And I hate Inside. Oh my god, frick, I watched that thing and I like. And the thing is, outside the character air, designs are really appealing. I'll give I'll give Inside Out that. But so that's actually one of my biggest gripes with that. Really, is that in the girl's head, she's got you know joy, happiness, sadness, uh, anger, or whatever it is. Um, avarice, greed, lust, murder, yeah. <laughs> sloth, and melancholy. <laughs> That's sloth, they, envy, pride. They, they, yeah, you know. they do it like an inside out of like some like emo kid. <laughs> <laughs> the, the you know the seven core emotions. <laughs> but, as, as they're rummaging around their brains like a deadly sin, <laughs> a core deadly sin. Uh, the, but the, my problem is that when they show. The inside of everybody else's head, mm-hmm. they don't all have distinct looks. Yeah, they're all built off the same body type. The it's dads just, are all rage. The moms are all worry. I think. But why? Like, why are all hers that? Even even when they show people that are her age in their head, mm-hmm. they all seem like, why are hers distinctive and everyone else is not? Like, I think they just got lazy with the character design there, honestly. Did, I mean, and that was one of the things I did like. That was like, I, I immediately clued in. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah, what the hell? Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then... Like I, I hated joy, and I hate oh my god sadness. Oh god, <laughs> I, sadness I, was Phyllis from the office. I I never wanted to kill a, a an emotion <laughs> so much in my life. Just like I I I, went, I was like I, the joy was annoying, sadness was annoying, and I'm just in the backyard going like. Please, God, make me a robot so I won't feel ever, ever again. <laughs> I gotta hate, I hate well, that. I mean, that, that's kind of the point, is that they're such extreme ends of the spectrum that they are insufferable. Like, untampered joy and untampered sadness are just going to be annoying to anybody. And and I, I get I get the whole message behind it. Like, you know, it could be the best day in the world, and it could be the most cherished memory, but if you look at it through the right lens, it can taint it, and it can never be as good as it used to be. Mm-hmm. I get that, all right? But it's dead. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> I I sadness that, but again, I did warn you. I did warn you. Yeah, that, there's a core memory for you. So oh. okay, so okay, all right. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be completely honest here. I knew that by warning you, it was going to make you more adamant to see it. To of be course. like, oh yeah. And the thing is, I really wanted you to see it because, again, I did not want to carry that burden alone. <laughs> I did not want to be the only. I didn't want you there listening to Dare and enjoying it so much, and me not being able to. So yeah, of, of course, because I'm I'm that guy where like yeah, the most guaranteed way to get me to do something is to tell me not to do it. <laughs> Which, which is why I would be terrible in a horror movie, because you go into the antique shop with, like, the monkey's paw and the and the demon's ass crack and all that, and the shopkeeper's like, Oh, you can't take this. You're not ready to pay that kind of price. It's like, ha, I make a decent living, Fred. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'll, I'll take two of these little monkey paws. <laughs> yeah, there you are in, like, the... the, the- curio den of like little uh, like uh, like the Chinatown yeah. and, you, and you get your hand on like the uh, on the uh, the fire alarm and it's like no the mogwai and you're like baby <laughs> <laughs> no if you get them wet it would be a disaster that doesn't sound feasible <laughs> I, I'd really like to see this for myself no oh, <laughs> you're dirty let me give you a bad no <laughs> Yes, I'm just a contrarian old <laughs> asshole. And, and you would do something like, like it's okay to feed him now. It's not after midnight. 
It's after midnight in China. No, don't tell him that. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't know time. (laughs) It's five o'clock somewhere, guy. (laughs) But I can't give him alcohol? I mean... Yeah, no, I mean, no. Why would you want to give him alcohol? <laughs> you said just these three things. Like, yeah, but, but don't give him alcohol either. Hammer cuts over. I'm already, like, bottle feeding him a beer. It's like, oh, don't. Uh, he's, like, halfway through this already, my dude. He gives him a shotgun and he, he's doing, like, a kickstand. <laughs> his, his, little, his little feet are, like, like wiggling in the air. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm trying to shut out my emotions. I might as well try to shut out his emotions, too. <laughs> so, uh, so, <laughs> so Disney comes out with their own version of these, mm-hmm. and they expect them to, like, again, we're, we're doing the Disney one, right? We are a brand, and, and people are going to jump behind that brand. But the problem is, though, these other people, like, now you have competition. You don't have competition in the Disney G-rated, you know, fairy tale. Like musical department, yeah, yeah. Nobody goes up against that giant, N- not realistically. Right, right. You know, people will go out there and they're like, you know, I'm going to try to get my market. They're going to try to get my my percentage of the people that um, don't want to stand in line and see your movie, yeah, um, or whatever. But but no one really goes up to them as like, I am your equal, like Luke, yeah, I am your father. Yeah. No, it's it's the people who were like, okay, well, here's like the shitty Swedish company doing like Princess Sleepy Pants, and it's like, oh yeah, well. Kung Fu Warrior Bear. M- McKinsey sure does like like Sleeping Beauty. We might as well just show her Princess Sleepy Pants too. Mm. She'll watch it. it. You know, we'll we'll play it on the Kindle. She'll shut up for a few hours. Right. You know, it's it's not built off of any quality. It's built off of like it's close enough to the real thing. But I, since since we're kind of nearing an hour, we need to go into. Disney hasn't got, like, Disney does have that monopoly, but Disney is still cannibalizing themselves, and they're doing it worse than ever now. Because now we have the bullshit live-action remakes. Oh, God, yeah. And that's, I think, what we wanted to really focus on in this podcast anyway. Yeah, um, well... That's Disney's greatest crime. (laughs) Two two parts. So, uh, I guess we're gonna have to make this a Uh, two-parter. I'm down with that, yeah. yeah. I I love this topic. Yeah, I'm I'm having a lot of fun with this. Uh, But, so... So when when Disney decided they were going to kind of go in that avenue, I think I think a lot of it also was ego. Were mm-hmm. people putting themselves after like a Titan AE who was not afraid to be like, oh, we're not going to hide our CG like you guys did. You hid it in in uh, Beauty and the Beast, right? Mm-hmm. You you try you blended it, tried to blend it so well so that it looked like two D. We're going to just be there like, yeah, we're going to put. 2D animation in right up against like see like the the rendered animation mm-hmm. and just bam. And, and in that particular one, it really works because having the aliens be so different yeah. from your from your 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 heroes, um, it, I think it really works out well. Plus, it, I love that one, especially um, I can't remember his name now. The John Leguizamo's character, uh, I don't want to call him Tobe. I can't remember when he wakes up. He's like, "I finished my nap," and his legs are like swinging here. Yeah. Oh, and Janine Garofalo, there, her character. Like, that, it's just it's great. I mean. The, the the I love the I love the the movie the the voices are all well done and I think it's mm-hmm. a really good story but um uh but I was gonna say is like when when Disney decided to get into that um I think part of them was like like no 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 you guys can't do this better than we've been doing this longer than any of you guys you can't come in there and think that you can stand up with us even if you're not doing our thing don't mm-hmm. think you can make an animated movie of this caliber better than us yeah yeah but when they got into it and they started trying to do that. 
again, you had competition now. You don't have competition in the other, no real competition. You've mm-hmm. got competition here. And now people are making a decision. Do I want to see Treasure Planet? Right. Or do I want to see this? And in some cases, when they look at it like, okay, Treasure Planet has the things that I'm actively going away from that, to say, Titan AE doesn't. And I'm just using those two because they're both space movies by different companies, right? Which is Treasure Planet still has the kind of cutesy looking things, the, the, the morph, the, uh, the, right. And then you've got the, the, uh, funny robot, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, but, Tiny doesn't have that. Yeah, yeah. And it feels more mature. So you've got some people that are making that decision, and they're not just the adults. They're also like the 13 and 14-year-olds that are like, like, they're, and, you know, part of that is kind of like maybe a little internal peer pressure. Like, do I want to see the Disney movie? Do I want to see the non-Disney movie? Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and... Well, it also hits the point of like, you want stuff to grow up with you. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so refreshing to watch something like uh, the Amaji TNNT film. Where it's like, that is a sophisticated and mature take on the Turtles. Yeah. That's so good. And it's like, now, you know, you've got these characters that are pushing 18, you've grown up with them, and now they're suddenly facing the possibility of breaking up as a family. Yep. And, like, that's that's way, way better. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think inherently people want stuff that's going to mature and sophisticate alongside of them. Mm-hmm. And even, even in, um, <clears throat> in Atlantis... Mm-hmm. Like you don't have the cutesy character in that, no. you know, and no. and that movie. I mean, that movie starts out also a super hot female character. Oh yeah, voiced <laughs> by Chris Summers. Mm. But but you um but you have like it, it starts out dark. This guy is in a bad spot, mm-hmm. and and the characters are all adult too. Mm-hmm. There's there's no there are no kids in there. There's so, no funny kids, and, and there's no kids at all. So there's, well, there's a young girl, the young girl who's the mechanic. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but then she's she's not presented as a young girl. She's a member of the crew, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, and it's it's a it's a story that that can appeal to kids, but it's not directly targeted aimed at kids. Um, but the thing is, when Disney went out there, and again they've got competition that they didn't know they were going to have, and these movies didn't do the Disney numbers. Mm-hmm. The first thing that Disney did was it's like, well, that failed. Yeah, yeah. It's like that's no, that's you don't just stop. I mean, just you started out as as a company that just like any company that had competition. Maybe at the time it was an animation competition, mm-hmm. but you have you still had competition because you're fighting up against other movies. Yep, yep. You should always have competition. Competition is what makes something grow and get bigger and get better. Yeah, you should yeah. not always be like the only game in town because you never grow. You become stagnant, mm-hmm. and even though that may be okay with you because you're bringing in money, the thing is though. Nothing moves, right? Right, and and and, the thing, and you think, well, it's just movies, but no, we're talking about when you have one thing like that that doesn't move, it doesn't spark uh, the creativity in someone else. That then doesn't then move something else and and turn a gear on another thing. So yeah, it, what, do, it doesn't inspire anything. Exactly, it doesn't inspire anything. And it's just, I think Disney's just gotten too comfortable with regurgitating their own stuff. Over and over and over. Uh, I mean, really, the to me, probably the last thing that really, really pushed the envelope for them was, like, Big Hero 6. I, I think that was a pretty interesting movie. Um, yeah, well, not not to hear Marvel say it. <laughs> yeah, well. Marvel was not happy with Big Hero 6 because it strayed so far from the comic book. Yeah. And that, um, that the, as, as I remember reading, that they would not allow them, because um, I think they still... They still like there's still like a little bit of a division between like the comic book card and the and the uh, the 
like movie studio and mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that they wouldn't um they wouldn't let they would not agree to do any like comic book movies and stuff like uh, comic book tie-ins or anything yeah none of that stuff was done i think there was one comic book but it was like a japanese like there was um, there was a manga yeah. yeah i read the manga but um because uh, like, i still haven't read any of the original comics but... well the original comics was a four issue series i think but sunfire the hmm. the marvel mutant sunfire yeah. uh mutant in japan that he's in it. He's one of the main characters. It's like of Big Hero Six. Huh. I mean, and they changed it so much that they're like, this is not the source material at all. Right, right. Um, it's one of those weird things. I actually Which... have like Big Hero Six, the the series, <laughs> be because it was just it was a Marvel comic book that came out. Yeah, like yeah. you know, 10, 15 years before the movie did, and it was just a book. I mean, who knew they were going to try to turn that into a, a, a Disney movie? Yeah, yeah. But that that is a really good one. That. Um, it, it does. It is still a little bit of the Disney formula, where it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we're gonna take kids, even though everybody else is like a teenager slash adult teenager. Yep, yep. Like the main character is this relatable kid. Yep. You know, feeding into that that hero fantasy the kids have, which is nothing wrong with it, right? Yeah, um, sure. There's nothing wrong with that at all. As a kid, I mean, yeah, that's like, like, yeah, I I want to be that. You know, uh, I mean, I, all I wanted as a kid was empowerment. I get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna be begrudging with that. I'm I'm just saying, you know, you can just. Some somewhere along the way, which I think the first time they really just did like here, we're just going to take an existing movie and we're going to just put it in a live action. It will put a little bit of a twist on it, but all we're going to do is just take our shit and we no longer believe in our animation, even though it's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous art, and we're just going to do a live action take on it. And I think that was Maleficent that really started that shit. Hmm. Well, I mean, I guess, like, really, back in the 90s, there was, like, the Glenn Close 101 Dalmatians live action. Yeah. And I didn't hate that, but, you know, that that was just, like, that was just a sign of things to come. Yeah. That, like, here, we've got a perfectly serviceable animated film that's beautiful and people are still watching it to this day. My nieces love the cartoon 101 Dalmatians. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't remember anything about it. I know the, the Simpsons parody more than I know the, <laughs> the actual cartoon. I mean, I... For for me, you know, the appeal is oh, I like, I I, I like uh, the Milt Call animation because he he was really good with like head tilts and hand movements and stuff that a lot of animators just could not do, and so he would kind of do that stuff to show off. Like if you if you watch like the Jungle Book or One Hundred and One Dalmatians, the characters will do these little head waggles and stuff, and it's like it's really really freaking hard to animate, <clears throat> and he would do it just to like kind of flex on the other animators and be like, hey, let's see you guys do this. <laughs> you went in between the scene, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> but but so 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 get back to that so before we can go ahead and just kind of um draw close to this one and then mm-hmm. kind of uh go into part two which is disney it was like the minute that they that they didn't perform as well as they wanted to the minute they had competition mm-hmm. and they're like well okay we're, we're just gonna stick with what, what we do best mm-hmm. but the thing is these movies they were not box office bombs they yeah. just didn't do Disney numbers. Yeah. They just weren't like the, the multi-million dollar franchise you wanted it to be. Right. And the thing is, you've got movies like Emperor's New Groove, which we both love. We both love yeah. Emperor's New Groove. Spectacular movie. And we've talked about it before on the podcast, but if you, for those of you that haven't listened to it, um, like there is a uh, there's a, a article that came out not too long ago about the making of Emperor's New Groove mm-hmm. and, uh, and how it was like, and I think the article was like, like Disney would never make a movie like this again. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of one of these things where they end up taking a chance that they normally wouldn't have. And I get that. Like, 
that you know, I would not normally make it take a chance like this because like, wow, this this whole like, endeavor was kind of scary. Yeah, and we almost yeah. like lost a ton of money on a movie that never materialized. Mm-hmm. But it did work. And then they just they just shelved it as like, okay, whew, we got out of that. And then they, but never then look, it's like, yeah, we got out of that because we did something different. Yeah, yeah. And then you go into like Lilo and Stitch, and here's something completely different than we've done before, mm-hmm. right? And it works really well. We got this whole franchise. Lilo and St- Stitch stuff is still coming out. They they just released a whole line of Lilo and Stitch props and uh, pops, the uh, Funko oh, pops. Oh, yeah, the Funko pops, yeah. And and all of a sudden, it's still going strong, but you still have not tried to do another one like that. Yeah. And the things these, these but they have kept regurgitating what they've done with that, right? Like that. That's the thing. Instead of them looking at something and going, "What about this worked?" What did we do here that made people love it? Instead, they just go, oh, we, we've got to just keep doing more Lilo and Stitch. Hmm. They're not going to say, what made Lilo and Stitch great, and what can we do to apply that to all of our future films? All they're saying is, more Lilo and Stitch. Let's let's show the same movie again with another different title. Yeah. But this time, let's give Stitch tits. <laughs> Kids love tits, right? Lilo and tits. What, what, Lilo no, and tits. Wait, but and the thing is... Lilo goes through I mean I could probably do a whole podcast just on Lilo and Stitch alone but oh hell yeah Lilo goes through a whole slew of emotions but at the end of the day what she wants most is to be happy mm-hmm. she doesn't want to wallow in misery but you get you see her you see her express all of her emotions her sadness her anger mm-hmm. you know and, and and the thing is she's dark she's kid dark right <laughs> my friends need to be punished that's exactly what I was thinking of <laughs> and, she, and she's doing what she thinks her voodoo dolls with Spoons with faces on them and hula skirts and pickle j- in a pickle jar. And she just looks right up at Cobra Bubbles and just say, just deadpan. My friends I, need to be punished. I've got to say, Nani is one of the most brilliantly written female characters I've ever seen in any movie. <laughs> she, she is just a brilliantly written character. Because she is flawed. She does get mad at Lilo. Mm-hmm. But, like, you, you can see little hints in the background that she was on her way to becoming, like, a professional surfer. She had to set that aside. Now she's, she's a waitress at a tiki bar. As of telling the Lilo and Stitch thing, and it's like you can really just feel the struggle of th- this is essentially a kid who was forced to become a parent, right? And I just I, I think Nani is brilliantly, brilliantly written, and she's and she's trying to raise like Lilo, Lilo the best that she can. Mm-hmm. Well, that'd be an interesting movie, Lilo and Stitch. Multi pass, but. Uh, She's trying to raise her the best she knows how, but the only thing she can that she can model it are like her her life growing up and other people like it, but it, but it's not the same. Yeah, yeah. Lilo doesn't have parents; they were taken away from her, and she's trying to deal with that. And you were able to deal with it a little bit better because you were older, but she doesn't know how. She's got nobody she can relate to, nobody mm-hmm. that understands. And the kids, they they all the little bastard kids around her. <laughs> none of them, none of them look and be like, you know, oh, it's just like you know, you don't have a mom and dad, and not, not that your mom and dad were killed, you know, that they were snatched away from you. You don't have one, as if she was like born without one or was right, like an orphan. Right. Like, like she's got nobody. Well, to like it's your fault you don't have parents. Right. She's got no one that she can really that she can really talk to and. And then, like, her and her sister had these knockdown drag-out fights, which are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And was it when she's like, you know, man, I should give her to you and get a rabbit. <laughs> or give her to me and get a rabbit. Just sell me and buy a rabbit instead. <laughs> that rabbit will be nicer. That, that whole thing, it's so real. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes Disney is afraid. They, they will, they will like, 
touch upon it mm-hmm. and they'll like they'll like look in on it but I don't think that they I think they're afraid of like getting into it the way they did with Lilo and Stitch yeah and yeah. there's really just like exploring that dark side or, or or showing kids like we realize it that life can be hard on you for various reasons yeah, yeah. but Lilo tries her best to 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 stay positive and be happy. And then Stitch makes her happy, even though Stitch is horrible. Stitch is a bastard. <laughs> and she constantly tries to, you know, like, here's your badness level, you know? like, yep. <laughs> And she's like, she sees the good in him and and she never gives up on him. Just like Nani never gives up on her. So Nani can then see like, here's the influence I'm having on you, even mm-hmm. though I don't see it. And all I ever do is say you're horrible, but I do, but I can see that you are taking like the stuff I'm teaching you to heart. Right. And, right. You know, and, 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 and all that is great. And I think it gives kids that way to be able to say, to look at that movie and be like, I feel like that sometimes. Right, you know? right. And, and I don't, not, not necessarily that I don't have to keep it bottled up, but, but I can, I can find a way to deal with it. Yeah. And, 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 and now I know that I'm not alone either. Like, like here's, like, here's a character I can completely identify with because they're going through some of the same things I have, uh, that I am in this, in this particular manner. Mm-hmm. And then you get, and then you've got the, the things in there, like the things in, in Lilo and Stitch, like, like some of the stuff that Stitch does, like when just out of the blue, he like throws like a, like a piece of fruit and hits somebody in the head. Oh and stuff. yeah. Or when he, when he beans Cobra in the head with the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey. And. Yeah. Stitch is just such a little bastard. He is. And I think Disney's afraid to let their, their title character be that much of a little cock anymore. And that's a shame. Because Stitch is awesome. He is. And I think they're afraid of, like, some of the things seems that you and I love that kids don't get, but they get it. And they're like, we, we can't do that again. Yeah. Like, we can't do that again. We can't have... The Texas like, Chainsaw Yeah, reference. the Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre. When he's on top of the Volkswagen buggy and he's got the chainsaw, he's like, oh, it's okay. My dog found the chainsaw. He's like, ah! <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I mean... I, uh, I I love that. That's that's so great. And then that Le- fight scene is beautiful. And then Lilo is she's so nonplussed about the whole thing, like cars being thrown into the house and stuff. <laughs> and she's Hello, Mr. Bubbles. <laughs> Aliens are invading my house. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, beautiful. Lilo and Stitch is a spectacular movie. Yeah. And yeah, I mean they're just I think I think they're scared of pushing the envelope anymore, which is a damn shame because it was pushing the envelope that got us some of the greatest films of all time. And the thing is, Pixar, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah, Pixar would push the envelope. Oh yeah, they I mean, they did for a little while. They they stopped, but yeah. The The Incredibles pushes the envelope. I mean, oh, The Incredibles really pushes the envelope. <laughs> I mean, oh, dude, I mean, so if Syndrome is one fucked up villain. Oh god. He he's he's beautiful. He's like he's he's beautifully written and I mean, and the the thing is the stakes in The Incredibles are so high. Mm-hmm. And then when like uh you know, the, you find out about the about the supers like just disappearing, he's like, "Where are they?" And then when Incredible finds Gazer Beam's body. Yeah, yeah. And he goes and he looks and sees what he's looking at. He's like, yo, Gazer Beam. And he looks and he's like, and this guy's been killing you. He's been testing. He, he just openly says, yes, I've been testing out my robot and all these other people. And I've killed each and every one of them yep. just to get to you so I can <laughs> kill you. And like, and he doesn't, even though he doesn't t- say kill, but you know, because you see their bodies. Yeah, you see, yeah. And you see where, where it shows them like, he was like model 2.0. Like, oh, he was defeated. Then he was like 2.1. Oh, this guy was defeated. He yep, wasn't defeated. Yep. He was killed. You know? <laughs> like, um, 
what still gives me chills to this day when I watch The Incredibles is when uh, Elastigirl tells the kids, she's like, okay, you know the villains in the Saturday morning cartoons that you watch? These guys aren't like those guys. They're not going to show restraint because you're children. Right. They will kill you if they're given the chance. And that's just like, ooh. <laughs> that, so that's badass. The tension in that scene when, um, I actually, I'm actually getting a little choked up here because it's such a powerful scene. When she's on the plane and he's like, oh, it's like, well, why don't I just send him a little greeting? And, yeah, and, yeah. and Mr. Incredible's like, no. And she's like, you know, it's like, you know, uh, you know, uh, attention's like, we are Buddy Spike. And she's like, Violet and Violet and the And you see the rockets and you see like incredible, and like, you know. she just cannot get the shield thrown up. And then Senior's just smiling. And then you see Mirage and she's kind of like slightly horrified. And and they just, they're cutting back and forth. And then she's like, Violet, do it. And then the, the rockets like, that's such an emotional scene, dude. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, and I love it. Yeah, there there will never be a film like The Incredibles again. And then, um, like, and then this like um, when uh, when uh, uh, Dash and uh, and Violet are on their own, mm-hmm. and then the guys start to attack them and stuff, and and she's like, "Dash, run!" He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, right." And he takes <laughs> <Yeah>. off running. <laughs> I mean, it's it's beautiful. I, I oh, so we were talking about earlier about um about Endgame and I'm mm-hmm. sorry, not Endgame, uh, uh, Civil War. Yeah, yeah. When Ant Man becomes Giant Man, he's got that laugh. Oh yeah, just like crazed look at his eye going. Oh, 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 oh. When Dash, <laughs> when Dash realizes he's running on water, and he looks down, he's like, oh. <laughs> that laugh is the best. There's so much good about Dash in that scene, and like. When, when he ducks the guy's punch and punches him in the face, and he's just like, ha! <laughs> like, he suddenly realizes he has a chance. It's so good. I mean, here's the other thing, too. Like, you've got adult heroes and and kid heroes. Mm-hmm. And like, like, like Mr. Incredible said, they're not going to pull their punches. They're going to try to kill you. Yep. And when he, like, um, knocks Dash, uh, when he punches Dash and knocks him off the yep. platform. He just... Straight up punches him, and then he crashed into the side of that cliff, yep. and he's gone. That guy is, he is dead, super dead. <laughs> you know, he's like super dead. And it, and you see, like, bam, he's gone. And 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 then you know, this it's it like it pushes the envelope. Yeah, it, it yeah. does. And then it's dark. It's a really dark movie. And it, but it's God is so beautiful. And but I mean, that's 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 the beauty of Brad Bird. I gotta say that. Oh yeah, Brad Bird's <clears> just amazing. And. And Mr. Incredible threatening to to kill Mirage. Oh yeah, I don't think it, it'll be easy like breaking a tooth. <laughs> and Syndrome just calls his bluff. Not not even a moment of fear. Uh, and then and Show then, me. And then after that, he just taunts me. He's like, even when you have nothing, it's like yeah. It's like yeah. It's like you're weak, and I've outgrown you. I'm like, God, Syndrome is so good. He's such a good villain. And then you and I, you and I have used all the time. It's like yeah, cause when everybody's super, <laughs> no one will be. Yeah, of course, we've adapted it for our own purposes, but... <laughs> we have. We've, we've really butchered that, but, uh... <laughs> but... But, I mean, yeah, it's the... And it's like, Pixar is not really a part of Disney. And yeah, now, yeah. now it's Disney-Pixar, but... Yeah. Pixar's not really a part of Disney, so I think that there was a while where they were like, okay, we're fine with you guys pushing the envelope. Mm-hmm. And, um... And I'm, I'm gonna... I guess I'm gonna... Where are we at right now? Uh... We're an hour and ten minutes in okay. now. So we can go. I think we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and do a do a closer here, and then come to our and then start our, our part two. Okay. Um, but I was gonna say, 
until I think the 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 full Marvel like Disney Fox merger where you know where then like like Disney like stood on top of the Empire and then they started doing like the Ant Man Dash <laughs> level. <laughs> so uh, I think before that though they were okay with with Pixar pushing the envelope mm-hmm. because it the Pixar was being you know. Released through Disney, yeah, but they weren't Disney. Yeah, but then yeah. afterwards, when they became the conglomerate that they are, mm-hmm. you know, this megalomaniacal tyrant uh, of uh, a titan, uh, say, of a film and TV. I think that's when they're like, okay, now it's Disney Pixar, and now we're gonna have to rein you back in, okay? Yeah, yeah. no, oh, we're gonna we're gonna rein you in, okay? Um, uh, yeah, because uh, at first they could just do like Mr. Incredible did with Buddy and just be like, I'm not affiliated with you. <laughs> and, and yeah, at, at a certain point, it's like, no, we want our name on this, so you've got to play our way. It's just shitty. Yeah. <laughs> and, now, and the thing is, Toy Story 3. Toy Story 3 is super dark. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Uh, and, and I'm going to stop there because I want to start off the next one because I could talk a lot about Toy Story 3, yeah. especially my favorite character, Big Baby. Oh, Big Baby. Oh, Big Baby. Big Baby broke my heart, dude. Big Baby creeped me the fuck out because of my phobia, but yes. Uh, oh, Big Baby broke my heart. Um, especially when, uh, was it uh, Lots of Love? Uh, whatever his name is. Lotso? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lotso. Which what was it? Voiced by Ned, Ned Beatty, I guess the, now the, the late Ned Beatty. I guess so, yeah. Um, but, um... But yeah, Big Baby broke my heart, and uh, but anyways, yeah. So yeah, but my heart, Big Baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll put a pin in it. We'll come back to this. We'll do a two-parter. Yeah, um, and then we'll we'll go right. We'll go back to our cannibalization of uh, of themselves. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do really want to like focus on that, but um, but I, I do think this part, this first part, was very imperative of saying you know it's not that just we automatically hate Disney. There's a lot we really, really like about Disney. And I still just, like Disney. Uh, <laughs> I just, I hate what they're becoming. I'll say that. Uh, okay. I, I don't hate Disney. I hate what they're making themselves into. Right. I will say that. I, I will agree with that. Um, and uh, especially with some of the stuff they've been doing with Disney Plus where, oh, let's go ahead and alter this scene in Splash. Um, <laughs> you know, and let's alter this scene. It's like, stop, stop. Like, like you know. Somebody like go break George Lucas's leg because you're the one that started this shit. Let me go back and tweak this and tweak that. And now they're like they're like they're trying to sanitize everything. It's like mm-hmm. stop, stop. The 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 world you live in right now is not that clean. So yeah. you know sometimes if if you know if there was no light, you know then you wouldn't know you were in the dark. Mm-hmm. If if things were a little bit dirty, you would know when things are clean. Yeah. So yep. so leave shit alone. Yeah. You you can't just. You can't just pull a creep show art and pretend like you're you're not guilty of anything. Right. What you need to do is just say, "Yeah, we fucked up, and now we're gonna be better." Yeah, yeah. The, like it, uh, like Hancock says, you know, you guys deserve better. I will be better. Yeah. It's like it, it just it's so frustrating to see people be like, "Oh, you know that that wasn't me. I I didn't say that kind of stuff." It's like, no, just say. I did that, but I'm a different. Per- I'm a better person now. Right. I'm making myself a better person instead of just pretending like, oh yeah, no, Disney was never racist. No, not at all. <laughs> we've, we've always been perfect angels. We definitely don't have any Mars on our record book here. We don't even have any closets and high skeletons in. What are you talking about? That? Those are all bedrooms. Just small bedrooms. The bedrooms. There's a bed in there. <laughs> Well, I didn't say a human can sleep in as a bed. As adult beds are still a bed, right? Huh? <laughs> so, skeletons. I don't even have skeletons. What? It's inside me. It's, it's nothing. I just. I, 
They're, they're air tubes and bladders. <laughs> so we'll we'll be right back. Join us for part two, ladies and gents. <laughs> All right, see you guys. All right, there, folks. That was our moms think we're funny. Let's uh, let's give them a hand. <laughs>